Hello, horses. And that's how we started. <laughs> I'm mixing it up a little. Good morning, horses. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> About horses who fight Vietnam War. <laughs> it's what it's about. Where did my file go uh, that had all my... Uh, it should be it should be called... Please get on the um, Gmail. What? Do you hate yourself? <laughs> well, you, you don't like just <laughs> rich text format. Nope. I don't. Hello, horses! Uh, oh. Do you like that? Yeah. This is Hello Horses. Uh-huh. I'm your host, Emily. Uh-huh. And I'm somebody else. Some fucking schmuck. Uh, I've been called Dan before. Dan? The Stan. They call me... Stan Dan. Because mm, I really like Eminem. Mm. We got Marcy here. Oh yeah, Marcy's Marcy. Want to say hi? She's our sound engineer. Yeah, uh, she doesn't. No, she doesn't know how to do that. She's a dog. Mm-hmm. She can do that. Okay. Well, okay, she can do that. Yeah, she's doing a pretty good job right now. <laughs> it's a weird spot to lay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the edge of the couch because of she where care. she needs to be. She doesn't care about how much room you have. Nope, I'm like on the hard frame. <laughs> <Who's> here? Ugh. <laughs> Close to you. It'll be weird because then we won't like, be looking at each you know, other. That's not actually not a seat. I mean, it looks like an L-shaped couch, but it's... Oh. Yeah, it's a chase. Mm. I mean, you're sitting on it the way we intended people to sit on it. And so chasing me out of here. I'm glad that we, we really uh, drilled that into your head. Yeah. Speaking of drilling... Drilling and villain. There's some drilling in this movie. No, there's not. Isn't there? Why did I make that joke? We made a dentist reference. But yeah, there was something about the dentist. And he said, yeah, someone's going to be drilling tonight. Although, he could have just wrapped up a significant... Okay, what movie are we talking about today, Daniel? Um, uh... Are you kidding me? People are gonna look and see if there's horses. I'll just put a beep over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but guess again, close. Uh, Brewster's Millions. That is the movie we're talking about today. It's weird that that would be my second guess. <laughs> yeah, because we just watched it. Those are the two movies. It's beep and Brewster's Millions. Mm-hmm. Now, ah. we'd like to give a. Uh, just a quick synopsis of the film. The quickest. What is this movie about? Uh, so it is about a man named Richard Pryor. Nope. Named Monty Brewster. Mm-hmm. Montatholomew Brewster. Yep, that's correct. Who has, in, has a rich uncle who dies. Great-grandfather. It's his uncle. Great-uncle? Great-grandfather. It doesn't matter. But he was rich... And he died, and leaving Richard Pryor, Montatholomew, Gummery, Brewster as his sole heir. Gummery is his middle name? <laughs> okay. And um, 
the he he's playing a little game with his inheritance where in Richard Pryor has to spend thirty million dollars in thirty days mm-hmm. after which he will receive his full inheritance of three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And we'll go more into like the rules. Oh, there's so many rules. Stipulations later. Uh-huh. Uh, what is your relationship with this movie? Uh, Were you expecting horses? I had never seen it before. Uh, I had no expectations as far as horses. Uh, once I found that it took place largely in New York, though, I figured there had to be... Daniel, don't let people know that our formula. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trick is there's always going to be a horse in New York. Shh, it's horse town. Bleep that out. Horse town, horse USA. Horse town, USA, baby! Uh, do you want to ask me about, about my relationship? Yeah, please tell me. So I watched this last year. I'm going to loudly open a beer. Yeah, um, that's yeah. good. Um... I <laughs> that was really gross. Yeah, it's too rude and gross. Um, <laughs> oh, you're like Rupert Horde. <laughs> do you mean Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet? Yes, I do. Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet plays Rupert Horde. Um, I watched this movie. A year ago. I'd always wanted to see this movie because I I love me some, like, classic 80s films that, like, won America's Heart. And I remember hearing about this movie, watching, like, VH1's I Love the 80s. Remember that mm-hmm. show? Yeah. Um, but what really... It was a lonely college night. As you know, like, when you think back on college and you're like, times when I was alone in a dark room... Surrounded by nothingness. Mm, that was that was all of it. Yep. And I just had time to search for movies on Amazon and charge my parents four dollars to their account. So Which seemed like a crazy amount of money. Yeah, I, know. I would get like sweaty. I'd be like, God, I hope they don't notice. I had a rule of I could I could rent two, my own made up rule of I could rent two movies a month without just being disrespectful that it was being wow. charged. That, you were. Definitely taking some liberties that I was not taking. And it didn't matter how close the movies were together, as long as I only did two a month. But I was, like, really hankering for some, like, Rick Moranis, you know? And I was like, what is the new Rick Moranis movie that I have not seen? You had to have been hankering, because he's (laughs) hardly in it. Okay, I did not know that. Because I had, like, watched a Rick Moranis movie, I think, and then that it, this movie had been suggested to me. And so in my mind, it was, like, a heavy Rick Moranis movie. And he's in it for about three minutes. He looks good. He looks... He... Listen. No one's gonna deny okay. that Rick Moranis isn't pure primal sexual energy. He's a little bit overshadowed by Richard Pryor in this movie. Because Richard Pryor, everyone knows him so fucking handsome. I think he is the most sexual energy when he's wearing his Cubs jersey. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what is happening, but he's just like. It's his, like, the Cubs jersey mixed with the jeans he's wearing, and you could tell how, like, stick thin his legs oh are. Oh, my God. Oh, my. And they're, like, really worn in. He looks like a cartoon. Autumn. Like, people don't look like that. I know, it's like a cartoon I would fuck! 
<laughs> That's what I meant. That cartoons are inherently more sexy than real people. Yeah, Disney's Robin Hood, am I right? Yeah, cartoon animals. Oh, oh no, it took such a bad turn. Yeah, Richard. Everyone knows Richard Pryor is stupid handsome, and he's so fuck. I think it's because, like, I feel like okay, the Cubs jersey rests above dick level, so he could wear it. Well, he had sex with you. <laughs> you know? That's pretty subliminal. I want to get in the way. Anyway. So you watched this movie, Her Rick Moranis. Yeah. And That's I, your point. I, I came for the Rick Moranis and I stayed for the Richard Pryor. So when was this movie made? It was made in 1985. Oh, 85. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. The year of... Bartling Wall Collapsing? Absolutely not. <laughs> that, <laughs> the year of... That's not the truth. <laughs> okay, so 1985, mm-hmm. we're like smack dab in the middle of the Reagan years, and I think that this movie... I have some thoughts, yeah. ...could not have existed without Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a thing, but I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna like let it... I'm going to, like, say it in the point of the movie when I have the thought, Mm -hmm. but I was like, this is so It's clearly 80s. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll get into it, but I do think that there are some, like, messages of this movie that are, like, relevant to today, but it really depends on, like, how much you're willing to give this movie. Mm -hmm. But Brewster's Million came out in 1985. It's directed by Walter Hill, who doesn't have, sorry to severe Walter Hill fans. It doesn't, he doesn't seem to have done anything super significant. He was a producer on Prometheus and he did, he was a producer on another alien movie. Oh, okay. Well, that's a weird mix. Well, Um, Prometheus and Alien and Brewster's Millions, I feel like, yeah. They all go, they all fit together nicely. Um, They all feature strong women, I assume. This was based on a novel. Oh. I look, I sort of looked it up and then didn't take note of anything. I think it was 1902. Who cares who wrote it, right? Who cares who writes stuff? We'll look it up. Yeah. We're just going to look it up. Hi, baby. And we're not cutting this. Okay, so Brewster's Millions is a novel written by George Barr McCoochin in 1902. Okay. And it was adapted into a play in 1906. And then we had... Oh, my God. God, oh, there's just, beautiful. there's just, oh. there's a lot. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of films huh. of Brewster's Millions. Um, I should have done some research. Including another one in 1985. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Anyway. Anyway, I don't care. A lot of Brewster's Millions stuff. I only wrote down three people that this movie stars because there are so many moving parts and most of the people are minor characters. Mm-hmm. So I say we have Richard Pl- Richard Pryor, who plays Montgomery Brewster. We have John Candy. May he rest in peace. Oh, wait. Also Richard Pryor. May he rest in peace. I don't like to remember that he's dead. Um, John Candy, who plays Spike Nolan. And then we have Lynette McKee, who plays Angela Drake. And um, now we're gonna we're gonna walk through the steps of this movie. So we open with a baseball. Yeah, game. some baseball. 
baseball. Brewster, which I will refer to him as that, um, is a minor league baseball player who got handed the American dream on a very hot plate. I wrote that down, too. What, <laughs> what a good line. Yeah, this movie has, like, font that comes up, uh, which is really strange. I think it happens three or four times. Do you think that it's text from the book? Oh, maybe it is. Um, it's basically... It's basically narration. They actually should have had a narrator. I think it maybe would. I kind of like the text. Hmm. I hate... The font's bad. I don't it know. It makes me feel, like, warm and, like, familiar for some reason. Because it's kind of like um, the font that they have in, like, silent movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Whatever that font is. Let me Google it. Salentina. Hmm. Salentina. Like silent Ina. Oh, okay. Um, that's what they use for the artist, and they obviously were like copying. They did their research. Yeah. Okay. So. First thing about this baseball field, uh, there's a <laughs> train track that goes through it. It's very important that this ba- you know that this baseball field takes place in New Jersey. Okay. Daniel and I are allowed to talk shit. We are from there. I I didn't even really like think about it at first. I just wrote down that. That's my first note after the hot plate. I was just so angry at the absurdity that there would be that the railway would just allow a baseball field to be built so close to their to their railroad tracks. Like railways don't even Here we go. <laughs> they don't like anything close to their tracks. They don't even like at grade crossings. They want Jesus. like ramps over their tracks because there's so much liability you have when you have a fucking train. Can you please tell us again how in National Treasure there would never be a cavern that deep because there's subway systems and they would use fucking echolocation or whatever the fuck you said. I didn't say any of that. <laughs> use that echolocation. Anyway, so, but obviously it's supposed to be a joke about how New Jersey is fucking nuts. <laughs> And there's, like, a smoking factory in the back. And Richard Pryor's just in his blue jeans. Yeah, just a... And his snakeskin boots. It's just a real working class area. He's just fucking sick of banging on them pleasure machines. And you know that tilt-a-whirl down by the boardwalk? Uh-huh. Well, he went on it last night and his shirt got caught. And, man, he didn't think he'd ever get off. That's what this baseball field is like. Bruce Springsteen is sitting under the bleachers with some girl who's probably named Sally or Mary or Sarah or Wendy. What? Where she promised to unsnap her jeans. Exactly. That was under the boardwalk. Though. Yeah, but I've changed it for this yeah. movie. God, I love Bruce Springsteen. So <laughs> He's the best. The only boss I celebrate. <laughs> Did you see the memes on, like, National Bosses Day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, I love him so Yeah, much. that was Yeah, overthrow capitalism except for the boss. <laughs> so, also, my joke about Bruce Springsteen being a class traitor because he calls himself the boss is pretty funny. But it's like, it's like he's the boss of, like, the working people. Like, yeah. I love it. Okay, anyway. So, during this baseball game, uh, Bruce starts noticing that somebody's taking a bunch of pictures of him, and he's like, oh, it's a scout for the major league. 
And I just want to say right now that I think that Richard Pryor does a really great job with this character because it's very multifaceted. Like, I believe all of the things he's doing, like when he's trying to pick up a woman at a bar or something, but these fucking moments where he's, like, talking about baseball. He loves baseball. And, like, the tenderness in his voice and, like, the light that comes into his eyes destroys me. He really wants to play baseball. He really does. And what's really funny is I think we see... I don't know anything about baseball, but I'm pretty sure he's really bad at it. Oh, I am... No, I think he's probably good, but the one thing I know about baseball is pitcher's elbow is a thing, and he's a pitcher, and it's just, like, whatever, like, pitching is super hard on your body or whatever, and a lot of pitchers have to have that surgery, and it, it can be, like, a real career ender. So I feel like he was probably really good, and then he had to have the surgery, because we see that insecurity when he's brought to Gravelin and Baxter or whatever, and he's like, I, I had the surgery two years ago, but my arm's really healed. And you're like, oh my god. Um, in the first scene, when we see the pitch that ends the game, it's, again, I don't know anything about baseball, but it is, it is a pitch unlike anything I subconsciously have ever seen. And it's, like, arced really high, like he's playing catch with somebody. And I'm pretty sure we're supposed to look at that and be like, how oh, that's funny, because people don't pitch that way. Oh my god, we're the two worst people to talk about this. I don't fucking... He's gonna hit, like, a baby in the face, and I'm like, I think that's baseball! Yeah. I so, don't know. I have no idea. But I think he does a bad job, and then they win that game. Huh. I, speaking as someone who knows nothing about baseball, um, it's except it's pronounced base. baseball. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I took it as like, he's good, but he's old, I guess. Yeah. Maybe the movie isn't like so absurd that he would be bad at baseball. We're supposed to think that's a joke. Right. Maybe I'm kind of like. It doesn't really work with the tone, so. I should have made Blair bet this movie and explain baseball to me. We just don't know anything about baseball. I don't know anything about any sport. But they do win the game. And then Brewster and Spike, who's played by John Candy and their best friends, they go to it. And John Candy is a uh, umpire. Yes, that's Holy the- shit. I cannot believe I pulled that word out of my ass. Mm-hmm. That came out of... The, the same part of my brain that stores all of the lyrics for my hopes, my black eyed peas. So they go to a bar and they're just like real, like fucking American boys. They're loose. They're feeling good. And uh, this is where we get an important part uh, is that Brewster, for a second, played in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is how we should know that he was good. This is also where we learn that he's a straight man. Oh, so. He, he's, into, well, he's into women. I would. Sl- not say straight, I would say into women. First of all, Richard Pryor, famously bisexual. Or pan. We didn't have the word yet. Um, and it's him and John Candy being like, I don't know, maybe the four of us get naked and touch on each other? Oh, yeah. Which I was like, this is a bananas, like, 
route to go, like, to, to persuade women, because it's like they're at a bar and they're talking sweet to them, just be like, do you want to go fuck? Why, like, the four of us should all get naked together and start massaging they each other? I think it's a great idea. I mean... They're all pretty into it. I would pay money to watch it. So... Like, I work hard for my money. <laughs> paid for that. Well, but you also know that that's Richard Pryor, and he's dead now, so it's kind of a different... Well, I mean, in that time. Also, John Candy's dead. I know. So many dead people in this movie. So what happens is, it's, um, the women are with other men, and this is a threat. Because mm. women are possessions, and man is trying to take other man possession, and so they fight. It doesn't seem like these women are all that attached to the other men, either. Because they are strong, independent women. They're like, I'll fucking massage some people. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But their men are possessive and creepy. Or they get off on um, being like, oh. he's into me, and then like, watching people fight, which is fine. So they get into a fight, and they go to jail, which is not prison. It's just regular jail. Yeah. They're kicked off of their baseball team because of this. Their bail is at $3,000 for a bar fight. This is 1,000% because Richard Pryor is black. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that that was pretty low for bail. Really? Because the thing about bail is that you only need to... I've never been to jail. Clearly. But I think you only need to pay actually 10% of it up front to get somebody out. It's just $3,000 in 1985. $3,000 is a lot now. Mm -hmm. And it's so much in 1985 for a fucking bar fight. Right. So some random white dude stands up in court and helps them out. And then Brewster is like, that's the guy that was taking pictures of me. He's the baseball scout. He wants... He's mm -hmm. This dude, by the way, uh, says that if they plead guilty, uh, he'll pay their fines. So they plead guilty. Yes. Then they go to New York. And... City of Angels. Mm-hmm. That's true. Or Horsetown, USA. <laughs> both, both are names for New York City. And this is when... Okay, so Brewster is like, holy shit, I'm going to be scouted for some baseball team. What's a big one aside from the Yankees? It doesn't matter. Oh, he thinks it's the Mets. The Mets. And then he thinks it's the Yankees after, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when he talks about his pitcher's arm surgery. And then it turns out that his, you say great uncle? Mm -hmm. His great uncle, Rupert Horn, died. He, Brewster is his last living relative. And he's left him this will. Because Horn is dead. Wait. His name's Rupert Horn. Rupert Horn. Uh, in Twin Peaks, we have the Horns. Hmm. And Rupert Horn is definitely a Lynchian character. Yeah. This dude has so many tropes. This movie takes a hard right into David Lynch territory. It's straight up spooky for a second. Yeah. This dude is Like the terrible. nurse standing behind him and everything. Yeah. And he's like... <laughs> yeah, he's like... <laughs> Choking to death, and then he has his like oxygen mask. He's like in a smoking jacket. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a woman holding a log behind him, and like a shitty soft rock band. 
And um, they make a really weird point to explain why Rupert Horn is white. And it's just like, we don't, <laughs> we don't need this. It's true. I believe that you're related. It's going to be okay. He's like, okay, so like, back up like four generations. There was a guy and he married this woman who was white and then he had sex and then they made babies and then there there I am. And then he had sex with a black woman and then there's, there's you. Do you think that there's any actual point in that? Do you think that viewers would have found it believable if a black man just had all this money? Or do you think this guy had to be white and that it had to be explained? See, I was really wondering that too. I was like, um, I, and he felt like, cause now I feel like you could do this movie and it could have been a white relative and we wouldn't need to explain it. We would just be like, yeah, mm-hmm. people and families don't always look the same or are the same race or whatever, you know? Um, but it, it felt, I get why they would feel like in 1985 they needed to explain to audiences, like, trust us, we're related you know, so they weren't like, this guy is pulling one over on Richard Pryor or something. Um, but then uh, to not make him black, I don't know what, unless they just think it's so unbelievable that a black man would have this kind of money. Yeah. Or even if they're trying to say something. What I really think is that they took the story Brewster's Millions, liked it, and they were like, who's the funniest person? Richard Pryor. Yeah. It's probably what happened. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to call up Walter Hill. It seems insignificant. And the whole exchange seems insignificant. Like, I don't need the backstory. Yeah. I, I could see in 1985 just, like, not trusting it and, and being like, this is, like, you need that to just trust that they are related and there isn't more that's going to come up later. Like, no, 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 this just is the plot. I wonder if it was, like, that was actually a point of comedy in 1985. Probably, when he's like, oh, we're kind of a checkered family. Uh, yeah. And you're like... There are jokes built in there. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Whatever. So, here's the point of the film. Horn says that Brewster has 30 days to spend $30 million. If he does this successfully, he gets... $300 million to keep. At the end of the 30 days, he cannot have anything to show for it. He cannot have assets, which means he can't buy cars, houses, <coughs> paintings, etc. He can donate 5%, give 5% away, and then gamble away another 5%, right? Mm-hmm. And then he can't just buy things and destroy them. So he, yeah. he can't, in the movie they say you can't buy a bunch of Picassos and then set them on fire. Um, he can't tell anybody about this deal um, so that no one can help him. And there is a wimp clause. So he can have a million dollars right now and just walk away. Or he can accept the challenge and try, but if he doesn't succeed, he gets nothing. And the two old white men, Granville and Baxter? I have no idea. I'm going to call them... That's Marley and Marley. Okay, they're Marley and Marley. Uh, uh, hold on. Also, Richard Pryor talks back to this video, and it seems like the video's having a conversation with him. I think that's supposed to be a joke. 
Um, so they really encouraged him to take the whim calls, and he was like, you know what? I'm a fun guy. Why not just fucking try and have the experience of the lifetime? And this guy seems like he doesn't take things too seriously. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He seems like a fun guy. So he goes for the $300 million. And to reiterate, at the end of this 30 days, he has to be penniless with no assets, and he has to have receipts for all of his expenses. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, we got to have an accountant for you. Keep all the receipts. And what is the twist of the century, Daniel? It's a woman. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. And she's hot. Mm-hmm. She's cool. Lynette McKee. You know everybody, huh? And of those three people's names? Hmm. Where's your prior? John Kennedy, Lynette McKee. Um, so immediately, Brewster just like starts hiring people. He hires the guy he thinks was the scout to be his photography for photographer <laughs> yeah um here's the thing about this mm-hmm. right away he starts hiring people for salaries that are way above the industry norms right mm-hmm. but he's not allowed to just give people money mm-hmm. so if he's allowed to just pay people exorbitant amounts of money why doesn't he just pay the photographer 30 million dollars I, I think it's like, yeah, he, I, the thing is like he gained such a fast understanding of these rules because you're like, why not give this person more money? Cause it's like, it's way more than you would expect, but it's not outlandish. Mm. He's paying people like $10,000 a week, which is a lot of fucking money. But when you have, when you have to spend $30 million, yeah, he's just spending a million dollars a day. So I just, I feel like he has a really great grasp of like what they would accept as just being like, yeah, you could pay somebody that you could pay someone. And not honestly, if you think about it, following someone around constantly to take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. You gotta cover the film. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. He takes like 80 people to lunch. Mm-hmm. And that's another one where I'm like, Oh, that doesn't count as like giving money away. You should do this like every day. Yeah. We find out he's getting, like, really sweet on the accountant, Angela. And then we find out she's engaged to a feminist. Oh, yeah, she does say that. It's pretty good in 1985 to acknowledge that men can be feminists. I mean, y'all can be allies. No, just kidding. You can be feminist. It's fine. Welcome. Join the club. It's cool. Uh, (laughs) But, and it's cool because it's, like, it's used as a compliment. But then it's also kind of weird because... Spoiler, he's a shitty person in the end. But then it's like, it's also, I don't know, it's kind of good because it's like kind of critical of like, be wary of like what white men say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much is performative just to have sex with you? Uh, yeah, yeah, 100% of it. <laughs> You're like, men can be feminist. It's a lie. It's just a lie. <laughs> so that was like a really interesting and I don't know if that point supposed to be like anti-feminist or no, I don't think it is. critical of white men, which I'm here for. It's just critical of, yeah. Also, he hires Spike for $100,000 a month. Yeah, and then Spike looks at him like, honey, you only get 100000 Yeah, it's a month. Yeah. Um, Still, and I mean, what was he doing before? True, true. Um, the account 
Angela is getting super pissed about how Brewster's spending his money immediately. And Brewster's already famous. Yeah. And so he goes to a, this is like he figures out, like, ways to spend money without assets so quickly. I would go to do the food thing really quickly. Uh, I'd probably buy a lot of booze. I'd buy a bunch of pot if it took place now in states where pot was legal. And then the next thing I would think of was, like, sex work. But they, it, you probably can't break the law. I don't remember them saying that, but you probably can. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm fucking stumped. But he's like, hotels. So he rents out two floors of the hotel, which are already rented out, so he pays way more for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's at the Plaza Hotel. And um, we're 34 minutes into the movie. We get our first horse. 34 minutes and 10 seconds. The horse is in front of the Plaza Hotel. While new narrative font is coming up. Uh Uh-huh. Pulling a carriage. Mm -hmm. It's a black horse, I think. It's nighttime. It's nighttime, but it looked like a black horse. It could be brown. Uh, It's probably like 14 hands. I'm pretty good at guessing the size of horses. Yeah, I would say 14 hands. Uh, Because I always guess 14 hands. And the horse's name is Chuckers. What do you think? That's just what I think. That's really good. Yeah, I do think that. Yeah. Holy shit, that's absolutely the horse's name. Chuckers. Yeah, it's Chuckers. (laughs) And he goes, what up, mother Chuckers? (laughs) That's what that horse would say. If it had a a language. Well, horse, it speaks horse. Yeah, in the city of horses. USA, baby. Horse town, USA. (laughs) So then, because of Spike, he's dressed like a million bucks. He looks amazing. Angela says, at the rate you're going at, you're going to spend all your inheritance in less than a month, and you'll have nothing to show for it. And he's like, yes. That's exactly, that's the goal put into a sentence. Yeah. Angela's fiance is white. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Looks like Warren is into interior decorating is a sentence I wrote. He's a feminist, so he must also be gay. I, the way he was, like, reacting with interior decorating, and I'm not saying this is a truth, I'm just saying it's a, like, a trope and a stereotype, I was like, are they trying to insinuate that Warren is gay? I actually didn't, um, while watching it, I didn't really think that at all. Maybe I was supposed to think that. Um, I just thought that he had a passion for interior decorating. Good. It's paralleled with him having an ex-wife who was really into interior decorating. Mm -hmm. And then he is excited about spending time with his Mm ex-wife to do some interior decorating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're definitely like, this guy is way too excited to go see his ex-wife again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we find out one who's an ex-wife. Brewster asks Warren to decorate all of his offices. And this one I was like, dude, Angela kind of sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> Brewster's like, I'll pay you $250,000 for three weeks of work. Oh, yeah. And Angela's like, what about our honeymoon? And it's like, you're going to so much. What, when's your honeymoon? Yeah. First of all, is it tomorrow? <laughs> they have not been planning it. We don't they, see them plan it later. They're engaged. I assume their wedding isn't this month. Yeah, because she has to follow Brewster around. Right. She doesn't have time for a wedding. So it's like. Yeah, that's for your honeymoon. So I said, I don't know if she just doesn't like how Brewster is spending her money or his money or if she hates her fiance's dreams. 
unclear. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that they were ever a really good, very good couple. Yeah. I. You know what? I agree. Hello. Then we get a Rick Moranis cameo. Yeah. Oh my god. This, we're already pretty far in this movie. And I. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of like plot. It's just different shenanigans to spend money. Yeah. So, I said he looks like a character from American Psycho. Yeah, but like handsome. And I think it's just because we're like, well, maybe that. Maybe the 80s weren't this self-aware, but we're supposed to know, like, Ronald Reagan is president! Yeah, I get it. Brewster's millions. I, my fingers were crossed for Rick and Richard just a little kiss. <laughs> what, what are they going to kiss? What, how would you even work that in? Just, just a little kiss. Just like a Didn't happen. It didn't. Also, Rick Burns is a thousand percent dressed like he's ready for the prom. <laughs> oh, he is, yeah. Uh, now we're just seeing, like, uh, Brewster's hotel rooms are just, like, full of this, like, huge posse that kind of gathers around you when you're rich. Rick Moranis is only parroting Brewster in this scene. I don't really understand why he's there at all, except to tempt me into thinking they're going to have a little kiss. No kiss. Yeah. Also, this is... Pre-Ghostbusters? 1985? Pause this while I uh, I'm give it a little googly goog. 1984, post-Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of a cameo. More like post-Busters, am I right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then... I said I don't understand how you can buy all these suits... And they're not considered assets, but we find out later that he's renting you the suits. You rented them. That's so smart, Richard Pryor. He's so smart! Smart guy. And he buys a game with the Yankees, which I really like because it feels like the first time he's, like, having fun. Yeah. Like, that's the thing he's that, spending money on that he wants. He, he, I think, had fun with dressing nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else, I think, was just, like, a convenience. Like, I don't think he really wanted the photographer. No. Or a personal driver or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think he liked wearing the clothes, and the game with the Yankees was really the big thing. That's what he wanted to do. I don't know if he liked wearing the clothes. I think he liked wearing the clothes, but then at the end, when he returns to his Cubs jersey he feels more comfortable in mm-hmm. wearing that. Because doesn't someone say, like, they, they say, they make a comment or whatever, and he's like, this is me. Mm-hmm. Or some shit like that. Who knows? I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> what were you doing? Um, and then Spike is like, hey, did you know, stamps? And then <laughs> Rooster goes, stamps. And I was like, uh-oh, this is going to come back later. But then it just immediately happened. Where he goes and he buys the most expensive antique stamp. And then we see Grand Villain Baxter. We see the Marley and Marley brothers. We see we see Jacob and Robert Marley. Yeah. And they're like, what an idiot. He doesn't even know what assets are. He just acquired an asset, but he mails them a postcard. Yeah, it's genius. It's genius because it's not destroying the value of something because he's using the stamp as a stamp. He used it for what its purpose is. Mm-hmm. Also, I have to say that... Um, Throughout this whole time, his friends are very worried about 
the rate at which she's spending any money. friend would be. <laughs> yeah, I would be very nervous. So, um, Angela and John Candy trick. I, I've been calling Richard Pryor Richie in my notes. Okay. <laughs> because he's rich. Mm-hmm. Richie Rich. Uh, That's maybe we should have So, called. they trick him into hiring a financial advisor. And then Richard Pryor just decides to pay this financial advisor $100,000 per week. So plus 15%. Plus 15% of any of the profits. The goal is to not make any profit at all on yeah. this, which is, which is good. And the financial advisor, because his original uh, pitch. pitch is that he only charges you on the profits he makes for you. Mm-hmm. And then it's really funny that he's willing to accept this other offer of... Just He's just going to get $100,000. It is funny. I have a quick, just uh, the quickest sidebar about the stamp thing again. He goes into a store and says, hey, do y'all sell stamps? And he's like, <laughs> I don't think we sell the kind of stamps you're looking for, sir. And he's like, we don't sell really expensive stamps. So this is like a store that pays <laughs> rent on one of the busiest and most expensive streets in New York City, and it only sells antique stamps. Also, Richard Pryor at this point is famous around the city for having lots of money. But it's like Kanye West song, New Slave. And he's wearing a suit that probably costs a million dollars. But it's like, it doesn't matter how you look, these white people will always Very talk true. down to you. But I'm just like, does this store sell enough stamps to pay rent? Does it sell one stamp a year, but they're a million dollars, so they're they fine? They just sold a stamp that cost $1.25 million, so I assume they're good for a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, but it was weird to me. Oh, and at this point, Warren is also officially evil. Oh, also, uh, y- yes, but Richard Pryor makes uh, $1.5 million gambling. Oh, wait. Oh, look, we just have... Yeah, I said Warren is... No, $5 million. I thought it was $1.5 million. I think he made $5 million. It's a substantial sum of money. Yeah. He uh, directs somebody to put a million dollars on all the longest shots, and then he makes $1.5 million. So he can spend 5% gambling. Yeah, and then all the... Um, He's told that he, he'll never be allowed to gamble again in New York City because they think that he was cheating. Yeah. And then he's like, Angela, I gotta give this to charity. Pick a charity. And she's like, but there's so many good ones. <laughs> Spread it out. <laughs> so much more. Like, I love how she's like, how could you even ask me which charities to donate to? How dare you? There's so many good ones. I would just be like Planned Parenthood. <laughs> like there's too many good ones don't give it to anybody yeah. just leave it here on the floor anyway so I don't know how he resolves that I assume he gives it to charity mm-hmm. uh, and then Marilyn who's Warren's ex-wife and Warren have finished Brewster's office but he's just like trying to get money so he's like yeah this is good Marilyn who is Warren's ex-wife you see how I restart like that for editing Marilyn who's Warren's ex-wife and Warren have finished Brewster's office uh, but he needs to just, like, get spend as much money on them as possible. So he's like, it's good, but redo it, because I don't feel like I could die in this room. And everyone looks so tired. Double their salary. And this is where I had the thought about Ronald Reagan. And I said, is this movie pro-trickle-down economics? Oh, that's very interesting. Because it's like, 
Don't you see how rich no. people pay for services from it, the working class? It doesn't work because Richard Pryor was trying to get rid of money. So you think it's anti that? I don't think it has a stance. I think it, um, I, I do think that it comments on the kind of exorbitant spending you can do with something like $30 million, mm-hmm. which makes you think maybe no one should have that much money. Right. But I think that's all it really says. I think it's anti-rich people. Because I also had that thought. I was like... Um, when you put this amount of money into that perspective, um, it, it's just like he's spent, he's spending a million dollars a day on things that don't matter at all. And he can't like by limitation um, of the rules, he can't spend them on things that matter, which just like shows how fucking stupid and, and people spend their money on. Like, and also how easily he accidentally makes money. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. investments. Yes. Where John Candy makes him $10 million Mm -hmm. like that on, on, like, buying an oil rig or some shit. Um, Which I think really shows, like, that when you have that much money, like, the the playing fields are not really level. Like, there's not a way into this kind of money as much as there is a way to make more money once you have it. Mm-hmm. I was really thinking about, um, I, and I, there are like parts of it and I'm just, I don't know how much the movie meant by it. Like the moment Richard Pryor is given this money, he, Brewster is given this money. He turns to another black man, like a working black man. And, hires him. That's the first person he hires with, like, a large sum of money. Yeah. And I'm like, is this just coincidental? Um, is this trying to make a point? But I think Walter Hill is white. Let me, let me give it a... Someone hacked... Yes, he is. Someone hacked my computer, and anytime I Google, it goes to Bing, and I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> That's not good. I really <laughs> literally hate really this problem I have. <laughs> I hate this problem so much. Because it's just like a practical joke. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like if I go to Google, watch, I'm in Google. Okay, and then I go, Walter Hill. I'm clearly in Google. Oh, now I won't do it. <laughs> You're just doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I read too much into this movie, if it's saying anything, if it's saying nothing. I think it's probably saying nothing. We got. Well, Excuse me. There's a fucking party in here. Yeah. Oh my God. I only have a ten percent. We have one shot. <laughs> uh, we just have to trade off. It's fine. Oh, Emily's at thirty something. So anyway, this movie is pro trickle down economics because what does it you give someone an exorbitant exorbitant amount of wealth? Exorbitant. Exorbitant. Exotic. Exotic amount of wealth. Um, if you give someone an exorbitant amount. <laughs> Say it again. Exorbitant. What? How is what you're saying? I don't know how to spell it, but... Exorbitant. Exorbitant. No. That's gotta be... Exorbitant. Exorbitant. 
I'm having a hard time. Eggs exorbonate. <laughs> not what I said. Let's ask Siri. Exorbitant. That's what I said. Okay, carbonate. If you, <laughs> if you give someone an exorbitant... Okay, cut all of that out. Here, I'm back in. If you give somebody an exorbitant amount of wealth, they will spend it on the working class. I... Maybe that's what it's... I just don't think it's saying anything. Okay, or it's that. <laughs> um, or maybe they're saying that the working class has no value, so at the end of the day, you can spend all of your money on it. I'm just kidding. The most important part is that we're 58 minutes and 27 seconds into this movie, and we get... This is where we get full frontal horse. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wrote down. Is <laughs> your right, full frontal? Full frontal! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get full frontal. Is it deep... Brown horse that yeah. pulls a carriage. It is a deep. I mean, this is, this is this is this shot right here at fifty-eight minutes and twenty-seven seconds is why we make this podcast because this is a movie that is about something, and there is a whole three seconds where the entire frame is filled up with horse. I don't even think you see the whole horse. It's so close. That's why I said full frontal. It's the money shot. It's like the movie used to be made for... It, it, like, wasn't formatted correctly for our screen. <laughs> I just think that they appreciate a good horse. And it's, you're so distracted by this horse, you almost miss it. But a guy hits Brewster's car with his car. Yeah. And then Brewster's like, Oh, you're super injured, but what? Let me give you all this money. Will you settle out of court? And Angela's like, Can't you see this man's a fake? That's exactly what happens. Yeah. He gives this guy $300,000. Yeah. And then, and then Angela gets really mad and storms off. And so Brewster shakes her in public. And then we just get shot of Warren and his ex-wife looking down. And Marilyn's like, have they no shame? Disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, is that what you think love looks like? That's, that's exactly what they're implying. They're like. <laughs> he is sh- violently shaking her. Yeah. And they're visibly screaming at each other. And, yeah, Warren's like, oh my god, they're fucking. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Spike makes Brewster $10 million. And everyone is so mad at Brewster. <laughs> and so then he runs for mayor. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Of New York City. And um, this is where both Bernie Sanders and Tom Steyer were like, I'm going to run for president one day. <laughs> because his campaign is both of their campaigns. Bernie Sanders isn't there? No. Bruce is like super rich and he's like running against these two people who are just like corporate cogs mm-hmm. and everyone hates them and so he's like, he's like, um, these people are disgusting, blah, 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 politics is gross, vote for none of the above. And he's, he doesn't think people will like him for saying that. He's just trying to waste money, but then, like, the public is inspired. Mm-hmm. He has no interest in winning. He says, I am here to buy your votes. Um, but people love it. Because because it's like, um, corporations aren't paying for him to run. Mm-hmm. He is running on his own money. And then Angela's, like, really into Brewster's campaign. 
Yeah, she's inspired too. She's inspired and horny. Like, listen, anyone who listened to a Bernie Sanders speech gets it. And you said, oh my god, she let her hair down. And I said, that's such a baseball game. I said, oh my god, it's almost like she literally let her hair down. That they do the same thing in um, that Sandra Bullock Ryan Reynolds movie, The Proposal. Yeah. Where they, when she's a bitch, because she's a woman with a job, Classic. her hair's in a tight ponytail. And when she's less of a bitch because she bumps into Brian Reynolds naked, she has, like, the top knot. And then when she's in love, her hair's down. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen a more obvious <laughs> depiction of someone letting their hair down. Okay, my most important point that I feel like they have to make in this movie, after Brewster makes his speech, bring back pork pie voting cats. Yeah. No, a lot of fun. When did it stop? Probably the 30s. No, because in, in Cheers they have them. In this movie they have them. They're made out of plastic. They can't be good for the environment, but they're mm. really fun. Then we have a montage that is affirming the viewer that Monty is being very successful. Because it's almost like a wet, in like a hacking movie. Where oh, you just yeah, like yeah. have a close-up of the hacker's face and like numbers, like binaries are like going past their faces. And you're like, oh, they're hacking. Yeah, what are those things called where um, there's like the call line with the donations and then the, the like, there's like this screen with the amount of money and it goes up? What are you saying? <laughs> Anyway, it's the opposite of that, because we see a montage. But oh, are you talking about a telephone? It's, yeah, it's like a, te- <laughs> it's like a telephone, but the opposite, because we just see the money go down. Yeah, and Angela's like, it's just like a close-up of her face while, like, receipts are flying past her face and numbers are flying past her face, and she's getting, like, angrier and angrier, and we just, like, do a close-up of Brewster, whose, like, smile is growing bigger and bigger, and you're like, I get it. He's spending money. And, um, but now... Brewster's made a couple enemies because the politicians hate Brewster. Uh-huh. And the Marley brothers hate Brewster. <laughs> yeah. And now it's the day of the big game. Well, hold on. Oh. So we did we did kind of miss something okay. that's important. Um, Not another horse. The Marley brothers <laughs> contract uh, Warren. Warren. Oh, I just said he was evil now. I guess that's not enough. Uh, yeah, it's not enough. So he puts down a deposit for the furniture for decorating Richard Pryor's office. Yeah, $20,000. And Richard Pryor says, make sure that you give the receipt to Angela. And then he neglects to give her the receipt. No, and he- it's also a just a deposit. So once he returns all the furniture, he gets this $20,000 back. So at the end of the day, Richard Pryor still has $20,000 when he thought he had $0. I uh, I think he gave Angela the receipt because she's like, according to my numbers, he has $0 left. Oh. Word. Um, and that was just like a sneaky thing he did of getting a refund. Right. Like, I guess technically with a deposit, you get your money back, but you don't really expect it. Yeah. So... As someone who's been screwed over by big apartment complex corporations. Oh, um, 
Oh, I think I told you. My landlord did not notice the big old pee stain on the floor. <laughs> I know. And he I said, know. you'll get your full deposit back. And then he shook my hand. Um, what? Yeah, did I tell you that the shitty apartment complex that um, I lived at that charged me all of that money and didn't give me back my deposit and then said that I never paid a deposit even though I paid a deposit? They never sent my neighbor, who's my good friend, an invoice when she moved out. And then they just took her to collections. Hmm. And so when a collections agent called her, she got super scared and just paid the collections agent. And I was like, legally, they can't mm-hmm. get that money from you. You never got an invoice. It's totally invalid. And she was like, fuck. And I was like, come to me first. Of course the collections agent scared you. The collections agent already paid that money to Aston Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... I, oh, wait. Oh, don't worry. Edit <laughs> <laughs> that out, please. You can't edit audio. <laughs> Marcy, edit that out. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, your landlord seem like some real bullies. What they do is they just yeah they bully they you. Scare you. Money. Yeah. They scare you. They scare you. They do scary me. Um. So now it's the day of the big game. Oh yeah, did we say that he was organizing a game with the Yankees? Yeah, we did. Mm. Well, now we did. Mm. I think we did, but also now we extra did. We said it twice. And then at I, least twice. And then they're doing it, and Bruce was not that great, and now he's out. Okay. His so, pitcher's elbow! No, he did a really good job, actually, because they were they were one up. Oh, my God. I cannot follow the sports. And I think that's a lot for baseball. I don't know. <laughs> but then he, um, the, the Yankees get a, uh, What's it? What's it called? Home run. No. What's What's the uh, Denny's thing called? The the. S- oh, an grand, Alabama slammer. No, a grand slam. <laughs> wait, um, wait. What's an Alabama slam? It's a prob- moons over it's my hammy. Probably a sex thing. <laughs> so you got a moons over my hammy. The Yankees got a grand slam because they hit a, home a lumberjack run. slam. They, I think that's when you hit a home run, but all there's someone on every base, so you get. A lumberjack slam is when you get a home run, but it hits a tree, and the tree is cut in half. So I think you get four points in a grand slam. Well, they call them four zipperinos. So now the Yankees are up four to one, and then the guy from Richard Pryor's team is like, I gotta catch you out of this game. Oh. And then they lose the game, and then he gives a speech. About how uh, he didn't really want to be mayor anyway. Well, so what happens is, guy comes into the locker room and is like, "Uh oh, looks like you're gonna win this election, which counts as an asset because you have sixty thousand dollar sal- yearly salary." Oh, yeah. And then so Brewster goes out and he's like, "Fuck you, fuck baseball, fuck America." That's and actually I, not what. And I chef's kissed. He says, I didn't really want to be mayor anyway. I thought this was a joke to me, and I didn't think you would take it seriously. And y'all are a joke to me. And y'all are a joke. And then he's like, also, everyone here playing baseball is just a real professional, and I love him. And I'm... This dude just loves baseball. Oh my god, he loves baseball so much. And he said, Rick Moranis, where are you? And then Rick Moranis just appears, like, the, uh... Martin the Martian, and he goes, right here, Babu, and he goes, give me me a kiss. That's not what happens. (laughs) Moranis is done being in the movie. He's not in it anymore. No, they kissed. Because he's busy murdering women. No, they kissed. (laughs) Um, 
And then Brewster's like, I only have $38,000 left. It's actually 58000 He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Emily, if you whisper, it's not gonna. They will come. Uh, well, but you translate for me when I whisper. And then, so he's like, "I have thirty-eight thousand dollars. I'm gonna throw a fucking rager tonight." He retires from baseball. Angela and Brewster are like, "Hey, wait." There was that sub point where she walks out of the room and he goes, "I love you." Oh yeah. She gets pissed when he drops out of the election. Yeah, she does. And then, oh. Oh, that's when he says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I said, Brewster says he loves Angela, but she doesn't hear, which is good. <laughs> because that's that's bananas. And then he throws the best party ever, which is jazz and fruit themed, and I'm so here but for it. But the party kind of sucks, right? No, it's a bad party. It's jazz and fruit themed. All there is is jazz and fruit and everyone's having a miserable time. And he goes, hey, it's a party. Everyone have fun. And I was like, you made a jazz and fruit theme. <laughs> He's like, why isn't everybody dancing? Because <laughs> your party sucks for sure. And you know what sucks is because when he's shouting, you can hear it like echoing. Uh, the thing about this is Richard Pryor, even as a, as a comedian, should have known that a $38,000 party in 1985, it's not going to go very far. Like, this dude was having parties with so much cocaine. <laughs> there's there's no way he could provide cocaine for everybody at the party. Well, there was no cocaine. There wasn't like cocaine at the party. And then he probably already had, like, that part of the hotel rented out. So it's, like, the, the fruit theme and the jazz theme and then the champagne. Yeah. Oh, he says he's going to get tore up, too, on the champagne, which I like. Even Rick Moranis pops up behind him. That's not how he gets tore up. Mm-hmm. And then it's the next day. It is the next day, and we get a horse? No. Not yet, baby. Okay. Hold up. Rain it in. Horse pun. <laughs> um, the, the tailors are like... Give us back our rented suits. And you're like, that's how the suits. And then he's got nothing but the clothes on his back. And it's like this moment where it feels sad. Because it feels like the end of something. But it's actually exactly where he's supposed to be. And then he goes to the room that Marilyn has been working on. And he's like, this is the room I could die in. She's like, fucking thank God. And they take all the furniture back. And then... Marilyn is an artist. Yeah. You know, she's like, I did something. And she she doesn't care that it doesn't last. She's like, I made something momentarily. She's literally Catherine O'Hara in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Literally. She's literally Catherine O'Hara. And then it's an hour and 32 minutes and 34 seconds in the film. We get a horse. It is a light brown horse, and it is pulling a carriage. All horses in this movie are pulling a carriage. Yes. And the doorman says, I voted for none of the above. And then it is an hour and 32 minutes and 56 seconds, and we get another horse pulling a carriage, and that horse is brown. Yeah, I think it might be the same as the last horse we saw. Which could be the same as the previous horse. It could be one horse. I think there might be one horse. No, there's definitely a light brown horse and a dark brown horse. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he's this, okay... I have some skepticism about this walk because somehow it takes him six hours 
to walk from <laughs> this hotel to the Marley oh, Brothers. Yeah. I was actually thinking, what is he going to do with his day? Walk, baby. Because he doesn't actually have to show up. <laughs> until midnight. Until midnight. Actually, yeah, the next day. Mm-hmm. So he has this day where he actually has zero dollars to his name. Mm-hmm. And just the clothes on his back. Yeah. And just meanders. I guess. And wait, when he shows up to the building, he has three minutes left until midnight. He's going up on the elevator to talk to the old white man. And Warren gets, shows himself on the elevator and is like, hey, friend, don't worry, I got you this $20,000 back. And Brewster's like, fuck. But he's such a good, honest person. He walks into that meeting room and he's like, hey, I didn't do it. I still have $20,000 yeah. left. So I'll just fucking sign, whatever. And then the one who's not the Marley Brothers, who's like the good one, he was like, oh, you still have two minutes left. Don't you want to try to spend it? And he's like, what the fuck am I going to do with this two minutes, man? And then Angela's like closing up the books and she sees Warren essentially like hiding behind a potted plant (laughs) (laughs) and like spying in on this all glass conference room. And she's like, and he's like, hey, uh, my fiance, did you know that I've been doing a terrible thing? (laughs) He's like, let me explain the entire plot of this film to you right now. (laughs) And then she's like, wait, oh my God, I'm in love with Brewster. That's how it works. And so she bursts in and she's like, don't sign anything. Emily, the thing about being a woman is you always have to choose between two men. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know that. One's going to be bad and one will be good. You just have to figure out. What... One's going to be bad and one's going to be bad. The thing is, you'll know by the end of the movie. Thank God. <laughs> and um, she's like, hey, Warren's a liar. He, like, withheld his money from you and gave it to you at the last second. And then Bruce was like, some friend. And then the Marley Brothers fire Angela. Brewster bunches Lauren, which was chill. And then Warren's like, I'm going to save you. And Brewster's like, oh, would you settle for 20000 And Warren's like, I'm not a fucking idiot. I'm going to take you to court. So he, Brewster's like, hey, Angela, would you be my lawyer for $20,000? And she's like, yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> First of all, she, she's not a lawyer. She's a paralegal. Same shit. So she says, I can't be your lawyer. I don't have a degree. Or she can't practice law. And he's like, uh, you can get a degree with $20,000. It doesn't, it's not that easy. Yeah, just give someone $20,000. You, you don't just buy a degree. Also, $20,000 isn't enough. In 1980. He's probably get a scholarship. Maybe. So he spends the money, he gets the inheritance, and then the good white guy is like, and now I'm going to investigate you. And then him and Angela hold hands. Mm-hmm. I'll send the movie. Yeah. Four horses, one couple. Zero kisses. He uh, kisses that woman that he was going to have sex with. The woman of the night. Yeah. You're right. And and then they play a song that I think was made for the movie. Yeah. Those Wendy twins. Magic. I don't remember the song at all, but but was it extremely similar to Don't Stop Believing? 
yeah, it was like, you take one shot. $30 million in 30 days. Bruce does million. I don't know. Because after we watched the movie, I had Don't Stop Believing stuck in my head. Oh, okay. See your thing. Oh, my God. Brewster's Millions theme song. Brewster's Millions would be a good name of a brewery. Hell yeah. Thank you. Also a ska band. Brewster's Chilians. Okay, I'm just getting a lot of punky Brewster stuff. So uh, let's just. How do we don't make a time? Here we go. Oh. oh my god, I'm gonna lose my virginity for this song. Yeah, Wait. it's almost as good as the Swing song. No, this is. I need to. That's the song I'm gonna lose my virginity. Can I play both at the same time? Yeah, what did you do? Oh, yeah. I always said I would walk down the alley yakking sex, but maybe I'll stand to the twins. That's pretty good. I sex. And then when I leave for the honeymoon, I play, Tonight is your night, bro. My knee hurts. Um. Also, your bird. Well, bring up my GERD, but like the medication I take for my GERD is known to cause joint pain and seizures. Oh no. Yeah. You're not allowed to stay here. You sleep with the strobe light on? You might have a seizure. Oh no. Um, so what are we talking about now? What did you think of this movie? You know, what horse was your favorite horse? Uh, the first horse. Oh, the koi horse. It was the only one who had a name. Chuckster? Chuckers. <laughs> Chuckers. Yeah. No, the, the full frontal horse name was Veronica. Uh, the full frontal horse was the sexiest horse. Mm hmm. If we're talking about horse sex. Sex? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, not the act of having sex with a horse. Oh. <laughs> but just the sex of horses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, full frontal horse was my favorite horse. Tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. Um, were you happy with the amount of horses? I was ecstatic with the amount of horses. I agree. It was the perfect amount. Yeah. I said it before, I'll say it again. We were 30 minutes into this movie and I was like, maybe there aren't horses in this movie. And I was getting so nervous. And then it's like, bam, 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 yeah, bam. Yeah, it's like, look at these fucking horses, you little fucking horse bitch. <laughs> I was like, I see them. And the first one is so coy. It's just dark. You see the dark silhouette come across the screen. It's beautiful. Okay. Would you like to measure the amount of horse appearances in this movie via hands? Yeah, it was 14 hands. Hmm. I'm getting about 15 hands. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm taking it back. 13. What the I, I The horses weren't given a lot to do. I don't like that they were all pulling carriages. Just going in a straight line. None of them got even a rear up on their hind legs. Whatever. There wasn't any horse character development. And, you know, none of the horses talked to each other about anything else other than... Yeah, they didn't talk to each other at all. <laughs> exactly. Because they're horses. It disgusts me. Yeah. Alright, Daniel. Do you give this movie a yay or a nay? 
Watching it, but there's nothing. There's nothing there. Mm, that's it. There's just nothing there. I mean, uh, it doesn't have anything of real substance to say. I mean, it's well, a, maybe it is a movie about economics in the eighties, mm. but doesn't really touch on economics in the 80s mm. other than to say with like a question mark is having too much money bad is that right too much money too much money i guess i'm trying to say something because the whole point is rupert horn's like my, my dad caught me smoking a cigar not the thing you sneak by the way cigarettes and he's like he put me in the closet with a pack of cigars <laughs> And he's like, and it made me so sick. And I was like, you would need to go to the hospital. <laughs> no water for like multiple days only consuming cigars. <laughs> and I was like, just burn them. Just light them and let them go out. But anyway, this movie's not about how fucking stupid Rupert Horn is. He's like, I want to make you sick of money. But then I guess it would be good to see what he did with the $300 million that he earned. Mm-hmm. Like, he gives, like, a bunch of it away to charity or something. Or, like, starts a foundation. Yeah, I guess the weird thing is that at the end of it, his reward is to become mega rich. Right. When he's like, I'm sick of money. And he's, and it feels like when he's running, by the end of the movie, it doesn't even feel like he really wants that money anymore. You know, because he's not, like, devastated. He's like, listen, I'll say whatever. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make it. And at the party, he's like, I'm sick of money. I don't want to take. But he's only sick of money because he's so stressed about having to spend it so quickly. Yeah, but then I just, for that to be like the point of why he's given this challenge, which is also just weird because he wasn't someone who frivolously spent before. They said his highest paying job, he made 11000 a year. So, anyway, not like you asked me, but I, I think I would give this movie a yay, a tentative yay. Um, it's like a fine place to be. It's a fine movie to have on in the background while you're like shooting the shit. There's this super hot kissing scene between Rick and Marianas and Richard Pryor. It doesn't exist. So that part was nice. I feel like Richard Pryor was a really good choice for this movie. He's stupid fucking handsome he's very charismatic he's really great at playing tender moments mm-hmm. you're like and when Angel's like I think I do love him you're like it checks out for me you know yeah as soon as I was like he doesn't have one intense flaw here I am um but Richard Pryor also doesn't really get to be super Richard Pryor in yeah. this movie so that seems weird. I don't think I had ever seen him act before. I've only seen his stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of... He's... he's. It's much different. He's a great actor. And, in, like, in uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, he gets to be... Like, there feels like there's more room mm-hmm. for him. 
Um, and Silver Streak. Fuck. I wonder if there's a horse in that movie. Um, there is Blackface. That's not what this podcast is about. But <laughs> it's not called Hello Blackface. <laughs> that would be a bad name. It'd be. For a podcast. <laughs> it should be. Get out of here, Blackface. So, it's not a great movie. It's a uninspired movie. Richard Pryor is handsome. Nipple scene is good. John Candy's really lovely in it. Yeah. He also looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So, the end. Mm-hmm. You can catch us mm-hmm. nowhere. No, we have a Facebook. Just don't bother. <laughs> we have a Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can get us on Facebook. Get us on Instagram at Hell Horses, Horses from Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our other podcast. Get out of here, Blackface. <laughs> um. And you can donate to our Patreon. At podcast.com. <laughs> At give your money to anything else ever. And you can buy a horse. Mm. At amazon.com. Wow, you liked that joke. And um, you can Google pictures of Anthony Hopkins with a horse on google.com. Type in Anthony Hopkins with horse. That's it, right? That's everything we have to plug. Marcy, do you have anything you need to plug? Maybelline? Okay. Drink Miller Lights at MillerLight.net. And, uh... <laughs> we just gave it... <laughs> we just made Miller Light ads pop up on everyone's Instagrams. <laughs> Um, and then donate an absorbent amount to... Exorbent, not absorbent amount. I said as... <laughs> Wait, let's Google cerebralpalsy.com. It's like, you're, it's thinking if that's a website. It's not a website. <laughs> um, Cerebral Palsy Foundation. Okay, I don't know. I was going to say just a cerebral palsy. There are so many good charities. United Cerebral Palsy. Go donate to them. Cerebralpalsy.org? No? What did you say dot com at first? <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a dot com Why if not? it's a charity. I don't, I don't know. Do that. You pieces of shit. Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna cut the whole thing. Remember what our whole like episode was to leave?